All right. Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. Super, super fired up for our guests today, the Hymases, Kurt and Dez. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. We have a lot to talk about today. I'm really excited to be able to visit with you guys. But just as we love to with all of our guests, we would love to learn a little bit about your story. So start where you feel is appropriate. Our story, family-wise, or our yeah, story tell us a little bit about your background and how long you guys been married, and tell us about so, your family. Okay. okay. Um, so we have been married for 16, 15? 16. 16 years. And we met in high school here in Highland. We went to Lone Peak together. Lovely. And he moved our sophomore year. We ran around with different crowds, but then we met on Heritage Tours. I don't know if... Yes. Heritage Tours for those around here. And we, he went on a mission. I wrote him. He came home. We got married quickly. And we live in paradise now, Cache Valley. Which is a beautiful... The description is accurate. Right. right. Yeah, paradise. It is. Yeah, we've enjoyed it. <laughs> and we have five kids right now. Our oldest is 13. And then we, our girl that's 13, a boy that's 10... Um, Vera's seven. seven, and then so girl, another girl, and then another girl, Quinn, who is three, and then our baby, who is 15, 16 months. Wow, amazing! Yes, that is a handful right there. Not as much as you, but yeah, hey, you know, it's all relative, it's all relative. It Once they get past a certain age, they become fairly self sufficient. I'm starting to learn that, you know, so you are in the thick of it right now and help helpful. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you. Our 13 year old's super helpful, so she that's is nice having Good. a yep. mature. You know, older yeah. kid. That is the golden ticket right there. I know. I haven't listened to your podcast with your daughter yet, but yeah, I'm like Yeah, that's a good to. one. That That's I'm the golden to. ticket right there. Okay. So, of course, we're on the See the Miracle podcast, which means we're probably going to talk about adoption. And in particular, in this case, my favorite subject, which is special needs adoption. And so share with us a little bit on what it is that you guys are hoping to accomplish here in the near future. Well, so we are in pursuit right now of adopting a little boy who's three um, from Kyrgyzstan. We had to look it up on a map when we found him. Um, and honestly, our, our story kind of goes back even before it really started. Um, which is really with my wife, with Des, and, and her experience with, you know, children and people with Down syndrome in her life. And that really is kind of the precursor to, I think, how this all got kicked off. I'll be honest, I had a bully in junior high who had Down syndrome. <laughs> that was my experience. And we is ended his up name O'Doyle? Or O'Doyle? <laughs> his, well, I won't say his name, but yeah, he, first day of school, I'll just say, so I went to a new junior high. and. I'm sitting all by myself because I don't have any friends. And he comes and sits next to me, and I'm eating my fries. And I'm saying, hey, buddy, you know. And he grabs my fries. He stands up, and there's a whole table of boys that's cheering. He <laughs> takes my fries and goes back and sits with them. <laughs> anyway, he ended up being a really funny kid, and we ended up becoming friends. But certainly when it comes to, you know, the connection um, with these special, you know, people, she was really the one that kind of led us. Um, she grew up, and you can talk a little bit more about Vicky, but it was her aunt who lived with her growing up um, who had Down syndrome. And I'll just say this from a husband's perspective. I've never been able to hold a candle to Vicky, you know, in terms of being the love, you know, and the unconditional and the stability, 
you know, of, of giving that love and affection, you know, that Des is needed. And so I actually look up to her a lot. I met her briefly before she passed away. Um, she's really started to decline when we first started dating. Um, but anyway, I knew something really special, you know, existed bet- between them. And so when Des said, hey, this is something that's written on my heart, when things did start to materialize where mm-hmm. we were in a position to adopt, I realized I got to listen to this. Has this been something that for some time, and we, we have, look at that. Yes, thank you. Right there. We got unlimited supply. Maybe let me ask that question. When did the thought of adopting a child with Down syndrome really start to come into your mind? Was that something that maybe even an earlier age, or is this something just recent? No, it was very, very recent, actually. Well, let's back up. Because of my experience with Vicki, I um, had always told Kurt and made this, I always said, if we could be blessed with a child with Down syndrome, I would be so excited. Like, it was so good for me. It'd be so good for, ev- you know how it is, your neighbors, your kids, mm-hmm. your everyone in that ever gets a chance to ever be around them, right? And so um, that's kind of where it started, obviously, with our, with, um, our fifth one, or maybe it was Vera. Anyways, one of them. Um, we would go in her growth in utero. She wasn't growing properly. And so they said, mentioned it. And I was like, so excited. It didn't end up happening, right? We had an, another typical child, which is great. We we're so thrilled with. Um, but I kind of felt that like, oh, and I think we were on our tail end, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, it wasn't in our cards. And um, I had the opportunity to also work in the special education class after we were married. We, I went back to Lone Peak and got to work more with them and, and create a lot of friendships that I still, we email, you know, and things with other, um, a lot of different varieties of special needs, but specifically there was like three kids with Down syndrome that I've been able to keep in contact with. Anyways, so it's always been like something you're drawn to, right? Yeah. Like once you're, once you're, you're, um, once you, you've had that taste, you're drawn to it, right? Yeah, and so anytime you see club. it, yeah, it's yeah. in the club. It's, it's, you know, on the, um, Alan's yep. thing. He has that dad club thing. Yep. It's totally the same way. And so I felt that, um, anyway. And so if you don't mind me sharing how it really happened was, Please. so Kurt works for mountain America mm-hmm. and Rod's joined, partnered with mountain America and Kurt was put on the, um, project to kind of do the communication what do you side of it. Yeah. yeah. Just communicating out to the employees about what we're wow. trying to do to raise funds for your manager's summit to raise funds, right? With rods. And I, both the babies were down for a nap. I was doing the dishes. He was, it was during COVID. So he was on a Zoom call. Normally I'm down in my office. I happen to be upstairs in the front room, which sometimes is to see the light of day. I come upstairs, you know, and and, um, anyway, I won't take over. Yeah. And so I hear this and they said rods and then they say what it stands for, you know, racing for orphans with Down syndrome. Was that the first you'd heard of us at that point? That was the first I'd ever heard of that. But previously, maybe I should back up even a week before I was following a girl on Instagram that I followed for her decor and she lives on this beautiful farm. And so she does, you know, different gardening tips and things like that. And I was following her and she had advocated for a child with Down syndrome through Reese's Rainbows that was Mm -hmm. aging out. And I was like, you can adopt children with Down syndrome. And so that was the first time I was like, I never knew that that was out there. Like I was, and I'd shared with him and I was like, this is cool. And then it was a week later, this happened. And I was like, Curtis, 
I'm like, this is meant to be like we, this is our time. Like this is, mind you at the time we, Cole, our youngest was what? Two weeks old, <laughs> three weeks old. We just old. had a baby. <laughs> and so he was like, no, <laughs> like he looked at me. He's like, don't even like, literally I just peeked in and I like gave him this huge <laughs> grin. I just could feel her coming around <laughs> the corner, ears perked up. I could hear her smiling. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, no. And so obviously like after the meeting, I was like, what do you think? Like, let's talk like this. This is, you know, put in our path. This is meant to be. That's, our where, I, are answered. <laughs> and that's where I started pumping the brakes real quick because, yeah, we just had a baby. He's two weeks old. We have five kids. That's a lot of kids. I always kind of thought five was probably my limit. She always liked six. I'm a sixth kid. And I still was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can go six. And so it was just kind of a bunch of things coming together. But really, I was like, this is so cool. And I agreed. I watched the videos. I went to their he website. I mean, I had to find out. After watching your videos. So you did take steps to just I understand was, better. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever heard of. I think it's so cool that families are willing to do it. But I never really was like, right now's the time. Yes, we have to move on this. It's not a coincidence that I'm involved and it just happened the way it did. She kind of was like, it's more than a coincidence. It's literally placed in our path. It's already been placed in my path. And so I was just kind of like, we will talk. And we continued to talk. And honestly, I kind of was hoping that like it would kind of go away and she realized like, you know, this is so good. And some people are in better positions. We've got five kids already. And, you know, this is kind of and this is the hard part. And I'll just jump into it. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, really like explore it, pray about it. Is this a good thing? And it's like, that's such a hard thing to ask because of course it's a good thing. I can answer that without having to ask anybody else. Of course it's a good thing. But then you have to think about, especially when you're a provider and you've already got five kids, you've got a responsibility to them already. And it's like, what's the greatest good? Bringing more children into the home, unlimited. At some point you have to realize that maybe that starts to drop off. Am I equipped to be a parent to 20 kids? Where is my cutoff? For me, I said five. To be, a rec- to be totally clear and even on record, I think Des could have 12 kids and be an amazing <laughs> mother. No problem. I don't worry about that at all. It was more about my inadequacies of like, of course this is a good thing, but can I do this? And am I going to be able to be my self, best self and the best that I can be if I feel like there's just too much? Yeah. Right. And so from right out of the gate, especially just having a newborn, I was like, too much right now. Let's just kind of play it by ear, maybe when our kids are a little older. And so that's where I just kind of was pumping the brakes. But I did definitely recognize this is a good thing. It's a very cool thing. And, you know, I also came quickly to understand how important it was to her when she'd say phrases like, it's written on my heart, it'll never go away. And that process took eight to 10 months, honestly, of me kind of hoping that it would kind of, you know, not go away, but just things would kind of, she'd have a similar perspective to Mm -hmm. kind of what I was seeing. And it didn't go that way. And I think she was also feeling like, Hey, I'm probably also over here hoping that it's working on you and that you're going to come to me and be like, yeah, this is right. We've got to do it. And not just right. Like I said, not just a good thing, but it's right for us, Mm -hmm. right? This is a good thing for our family. And that took about 10 months. <laughs> Kurt, what, what were the biggest reservations that you had? What were those things that were weighing on you the most that were just holding you back? 
Yeah, so I mentioned the one that's just, I, you know, and I think everybody deals with this to some level, but I want to be my best self, and I'm not my best self when I'm overstressed, right? As a provider. Also, at this time, let me interject. He was coaching soccer multiple at a competition level. He was also in leadership in our church. And so he's having meetings. He's having, you know, he was just feeling, what else were you doing? Yeah, it seemed like you're all in competitive sports. He's on the committee for our, our city days, you know, mm-hmm. like he's just doing all this stuff. So he was feeling like. Trout and berry days. Yes. Yeah, trout and berry days. Good, we were yeah. just spread thin and she was spread thin. You know, all of our kids are in sports. We just had a baby. Five kids, you know, we're adjusting to that new baby. And there just seemed to be like the timing was probably my biggest thing. And I'm just like, I'm already maxed out when it comes to feeling spread thin. It's just so hard to imagine, you know, taking a big leap. And, I'll, and I'll, I said this, I'm like, I don't know if there's anything harder you could ask me to do. She's like, what about starting a business? I'm like, no, that's I'm fine. <laughs> Businesses fail all the time and people keep going, you know, but And here's what I said specifically about a child with special needs is this isn't the next 18 years. This is into our retirement. This is the rest of our lives, you know? And she like totally flipped that on me. said, I know, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Christmas is going to be awesome every year and people are going to want to come and visit us. And I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing here. And it's working a little bit and it did work. You know, it worked on me. There's a lot of things, but I think my number one thing was just that stress. I'm like, how am I going to be my best self? Mm. If I'm just way too stressed. One of the other things I think is just the financial. Yeah. Right. And like she was looking at us like, hey, it's covered. Like that's what that's what they're doing here. It's like they're raising money. There's so many grants. She's like, I follow all these people like it's going to be taken care of. And I'm like, that's great. Right. But it's not guaranteed. Right. You've got to do a lot of work. And I think that's when about the time when we got on a call with you and we talked about a couple of things. And I want you to share what you shared with us because I thought it was really meaningful. But you talked about the miracles, you know, and that you kind of have to put yourself out there to seek and expect miracles. And then there's a lot of (laughs) religious stuff that went along with that. Just timing wise, we actually got called to speak in our church about that topic before people even knew that we had made that decision. And there's a couple of things that pushed us there, but you know, that was just one of the things that really stood out. But I'm just thinking, I'm like, this will require a miracle. Mm-hmm. And there was already things financially that she was on my case <laughs> about where, Hey, we got to expand the house. When are we going to do the addition? And Hey, the kids want, you know, we got to create memories with a boat and all these things. And I'm like, that's a lot. Right. And not to say that like, you know, those things aren't important, but really kind of weighed down. It's like, what's the most important thing that we can do as a family and I actually think that more than anything led me to realize this actually probably is the one thing, the best thing that we could do for our family in our situation. How do you envision this impacting your family? So I'll tell you what gets me really emotional about, you know, the videos that you've posted and we talk about, you know, these superpowers. And I alluded to it a little bit. I feel like I'm doing all the talking, but I alluded to it a little bit with the way that, you know, Des and she even made me talk to her cousin who also grew up with Vicky and the way they talked about, you know, Vicky and I've also seen it. So I do have one of my brothers dated a girl um, who had a brother with Down syndrome. And I remember she was just one of those salt of the earth people. And I think when you talk about these superpowers and the abilities that they have to keep us focused on things that matter most. You know, 
the, the consistency that they bring that there is an unconditional love and it's not without challenge i know they're going to test patience and it's going to be difficult but i think that that ability to help us keep focused on things that matter most specifically with family and she's talking about community and all the people around them for me i think is pretty well documented and undeniable anybody who knows these these special people and and i've been around it and we've gone to a couple of events up in cache valley and i've seen it you know we went swimming they did swim day on saturdays for free and there's just this community and there is something very special about what they bring to life and to perspective and a lot of it is around this unconditional love you know not judging and you know being like one of my favorite things is just they introduced right right away. They come up to the, the, you and they introduce themselves. More often than not, they have no boundaries. You're their best friend. You're their best friend. And I just think that's something that's missing today. And it's something that I want my kids to grow up with and yeah. feel. Um, I don't know if that sums it up, but that's really kind of at the heart of it. First off, I want to commend you because <laughs> I don't know if I could have had that amount of foresight and knowledge and wisdom that you just shared had Nash not been born into my family. And so the fact that you are answering the call to adopt a child with special needs, with Down syndrome, having not had a child in your family that you've already been inducted into the club that, hey, this child's going to live with you for the rest of your life, being able to voluntarily raise your hand and and volunteer to take on that role says a lot about you. It took me a long time, and I'm on her <laughs> coattails, and she did have it in her life first, to be fair. Yeah. But. Which I'm the same, right? I got the opportunity to grow up with it. Yeah, but the reason why you have chose to answer the call, I would say, is the purest form and reason that I see and have experienced on why individuals choose to adopt a child with Down syndrome because the promise is is that this child is going to impact generations just as you were impacted. And so that is very, very wise uh, to be able to do that and to be able to see that. So hats off to you. Congratulations on being able to follow that intuition that came and being able to figure it out. Because that, have their ways. That's a hard right. thing. That's a hard thing <laughs> to figure us to out, do what's it? right. <laughs> so how? Let's talk about this little guy. So he's three, almost four. Yep. Do you have a name picked out? We have a name picked out. Would think, you be open to sharing it? I think we're gonna go with Hank. We're about ninety-five percent sure. Love it. Hank Hymas. Hank Hymas. Yeah. Birthday is actually a day after mine, and we may or may not. We don't have travel dates yet, but we may or may not be traveling over that time, which could be wow. kind of cool. We're really hoping wow. to be there. For his I birthday. love that Hank yeah. Hymas. That's perfect. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> so. How did you find Hank? How did you decide um, on Hank? So you let me even back up. You 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 didn't know Hank as you were going through this process. So ultimately you made the decision to answer the call to adopt a child with Down syndrome, not knowing what child that was. And so that's wonderful. How did you then find Hank? Well, we kind of asked you that question of, of how do you narrow it down? How did you, you know, and Kurt was really hoping for an uh, an experience where you would look at a picture and you'd say, oh, we've seen him mm -hmm. or her in the preexistence. They're part of our family, you know, yeah. like we know. Um, but 
it's difficult because it's very um, tangible, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, yeah. And um, oddly enough, another miracle is I had started following Rods on Instagram. And I mean, it's probably not odd, but to me, it was very another miracle. I had found Keisha's page, Keisha Mm. Cox's page. And I started following her and I messaged her just some questions of whatnot. And then I had also at the time messaged Rods about a child and they referred me to Keisha and I was like, that's weird. So yeah. So anyway, so she ended up being, she got on a call with me and we talked for hours and she kind of gave us the same advice that you did. Like, it's not one way. It just doesn't happen one way. So we kind of just kept a prayer in our heart and just said, you know, we, we kind of knew what we could handle and what couldn't we handle. Um, and so you have to kind of yeah. logistically narrow things down that way, yeah. especially with um, some of the countries, you know, and how many kids they allow. And so it kind of narrows things that way. Um, and then once we kind of did that, we just kept hoping that we'd feel something or um, anyways. And so the one day and Kurt, every time he kind of looked at it, like I felt like it was very businessy, right? Like I'd show him a child and he'd be like, yeah, cool, cool. You know? And I'm like, well, is it the one? And he's like, I don't know. Like it was very, you know, and then I remember we brought him down. I brought a, he had just came up on, he was actually on rainbow kids. I was just checking like every, every outlet that I knew at that point. Cause I was pretty plugged in. I'd done a ton of homework, talked to you, talked to Keisha, talked to a lot of people. Um, and we found him and I brought him down and Kurt was like, I want to like pick him up. Like I want to like hold that, that kid. And I was like, does that mean this is the one? And that's kind of how it was. So I was like, I think yeah. I'm going to inquire more about him. And then that kind of just got the ball rolling and our kids were excited about it. And it kind of fit we have a gap between our number three and our number four. Um, for some reason we couldn't get pregnant for like four and a half years. And so we were like, let's maybe that let's aim for that spot, you know? And so that's kind of what we did and he fit the bill and we have fallen in love with him and we're so excited (laughs) to meet him and it's kind of how. So tell me, I don't know where this country is. I have a general idea, but could you repeat the country and give me like a, kind of a general idea on where this is located. Yeah, I can't spell it for you, but I can tell you about where it's at. It's Kyrgyzstan, and it's kind of by Russia, China, yep. Kazakhstan is kind of up in there. Um, I guess they speak Russian and Kyrgyz there. Hmm. And so it's definitely a different culture. One thing that we found out was that it's one of the harder places to adopt from just because they have a lot of regulations we have to go there three different times wow so then there's kind of like oh second guessing was yeah. that a connection yeah. Yeah. i heard colombia is pretty <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> process well and kurt speaks spanish so he always he always felt like that's where we would end up adopting from yeah um but yeah i think after we got the update on him too like his once we requested more information it was like we were kind of hooked you know, and so it was like, do you put a price on a child? You, yeah. you don't do that, you know. So we just stuck with it, and so this this country is the most expensive I've ever heard of by a long ways in relation to how much it costs. So I was going into it thinking because I had done my research, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and and previously I even was like, if this is set in our path, God will prevail, yeah. right? Like this will happen. It, it's not our right; it's in His hands, anyways. Um, but then I heard the, like when our, our, um, the agency that had him sent the fee schedule, 
I was like, wait a second, that's like an extra it's twenty thousand, <laughs> and yeah, travel dates and st- and stuff, you know, on top of that, and after the war, anyways, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, that would have been nice to know right at the get-go. <laughs> so it is crazy. So what, what is the total that you expect when, when it's we, all said and done? When we added it up based on what the fee schedule they gave us and the and the flights that they gave us, like the average, we said 67, right? Yeah, 67,000. So that's a lot That's more. a lot. And yeah. that was before, like I said, before the war. So yeah. I, I, have a, I actually met a friend who's adopting a little girl. I found her on Facebook. She's adopting a little girl with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, they're going to pick her up on the 3rd of December. Same orphanage. Same oh, wow. same baby house yeah. and everything. We yeah, actually really? connected with them right before their first trip. So yeah, when so she, she went, she was able to like pick him up wow. and send us pictures. Send us pictures holding him and like all these yeah, cool things. That's yeah, phenomenal. It is way cool. Coincidental. I always say that um, when you allow yourself to get caught up in a cause bigger than yourself, you'll witness miracles. But I have never seen more miracles than when we're trying to get a child with a very special light out of a dark place and into a place where they can let that light shine. And uh, I just continue to see that so much. And I'm seeing it right now with what you guys are experiencing. So when we spoke, so this was about a year or so ago, we spoke, and I remember that conversation um, when we were talking and you said, you were asking about the finances Yes. and you said, so does, does this mean like, you want us to cancel no, our trips? No <laughs> trips, no Christmas. And, and this, is that how all of this works? Do you remember what I said? I a hundred percent. You said, yeah. And, and I <laughs> joke with Alan. I said, Brady said, I would counsel you <laughs> that yes, yes. Sacrifice will bring about miracles and things will happen and um yeah it's been well and i remember a piece of that too was you know and i think my mom used to always say this which (laughs) the only reason i have to preface Mm -hmm. that is because you know as a teenager you roll your eyes but you know my mom used to always say you get out of it what you put into it yeah and i felt that really strong when you're talking about it that you know it's going to mean so much also for our children to be able to sacrifice and feel like they're a part of the miracle yes, and recognize like you don't recognize it the same way if you don't, if it doesn't hurt a little bit right along the way. And I think that's what really stood out to me. And I was like, as hard as everything is that he's saying, you know, I totally agree with it. Yep. What I see is happening and I've seen this in other circumstances and I would describe it as sacred but what is happening is you are consecrating yourselves to this little boy. And in return, he is going to consecrate himself to you and your family forever. And that's a very special thing. And But it does come with sacrifice. Yeah, you're right. It does come with sacrifice. And so um, talk to me about some of the – how are you – how are you fundraising? Let's call it seventy and even seventy thousand, because that's a lot of money. Yeah. How how is that happening? <laughs> Can you share with us some of those things you're seeing? Well, first things first. So I, you know, I think there's always a little bit of pride on the line, and whether that's my own weakness talking or not, I was really, when I said it, it was one of the hardest things she could do. You know, to ask me of like, hey, let's really be open to this. 
you know, I meant it, but part of that was just my own personal, like, we don't have that money without going into debt. Mm-hmm. He was really you know? worried about, um, he, he's, he's a thinker and he has to think through things. Right. And so he didn't want to make any rash decisions of like, we're not prepared for this, but then we're going to go and ask family and friends to be like, we can't do this. So can you help us based on a decision we're recklessly making? That's what it, that's what it feels yeah. like. Right. On paper. From the outside yeah. looking in. Yeah, well, and so you're worried about that a little bit. I don't want to be asking, you know, hey, I'm in this desperate situation for a decision that we made. It's one thing if, you know, it happens to you, which happens. You know, people get cancer or whatever happens, right, that you aren't expecting would you know, occur some financial hardship. You know, this isn't that. This is us choosing something that's going to be a great blessing, but still it's financial hardship to make it happen. And I honestly maybe had some unrealistic expectations, you know, when it's like, answer, who will answer the call? It's like, we'll answer the call, but I didn't know that we have to incur $70,000 worth of debt to also answer a call that is going to, you know, be life-changing on both sides. On both sides, that's right. Yeah, and so that was really hard for me. And so right away I'm like, well, what can we do to not feel desperate? You know, so luckily I work for a financial institution. Luckily the rates went down. We'd refinanced our home. We had plenty of equity in it which could also be really a blessing, just timing of things, you know. And so we went ahead and took out like a HELOC, you know. It's like, we've got money. Mm-hmm. We're prepared to handle this if we have to. But, yeah, we're still hoping to take advantage of every grant that's out there, you know. Um, and there's so many great organizations. It's actually been also really cool to work with some of these other organizations mm-hmm. and just see the work that is going on that makes it possible for families who are who are adopting. Um and so that was our plan. But then we also said, going back to your talk about the consecrating, I said, we should do a fundraiser. And actually, this was her idea. I'm not going to represent it as mine. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm like, that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But she's like, we should do it. And I was like, she, we should. And that fundraiser that we did, um, I'll let her talk about it more, was one of the most meaningful experiences of our lives to date. Because it's the people that, you know, they might say, you know what? I think you guys are crazy and it's what you're doing might not be important to me, but if it's important to you, it's important to us. We had people from our life, you know, that came out of the woodwork and unexpected people, you know, that just really showed up for us that day. So we did this big carnival fundraiser up in paradise and it was just, like I said, one of the most meaningful experiences of our lives for that one reason and just... I can at least attest to that when you say, you know, looking for the miracles. And we raised five times, whatever it was, we had a goal. It's like, okay, if we can raise this much, then it's not a waste. At least we got to, like, not lose money. (laughs) If we raise this much, then it's like, yeah, that was definitely a success. And we raised over twice that, that reach goal that we really wanted. And so it just... Well, what, what you did is you allowed others to also be part of the miracle. And that's common. I've felt that. I've experienced that myself when um, we don't want to put ourselves out there. And that's our pride speaking. That's typically the, the men, the man in us that is saying, no, we don't need help. We don't want to ask for help. But it's negating others to be able to get to be part of this miracle. And what will happen is when Hank gets home, they will meet him and they will feel that consecrating is transpiring because they were part of that. I was in a conference once and I heard John Huntsman Sr. say, give until it hurts. And oh, by the way, your church donations don't count. 
those are table stakes. It's everything you do on top of that. And, uh, you know, giving is in the form of monetary, but it's also in the form of time, talents, and everything in which we possess, right? And uh, what a wonderful example that you guys continue to be and continue to allow individuals to be a part of it. So a question that I would love to ask is how did your family respond when you told them that we're, we have this little baby that we haven't raised completely, we're in the beginning stages, and we're going to go across the, around the world, other side of the world, and adopt a child, and oh, by the way, this child has Down syndrome, and it's going to cost us $70,000 to do it. So we what can't some, make it to the family reunions. Yeah, we, so can't. we can't do that. <laughs> so what were some of those reactions? Um, well, my mom had a, a sister with Down syndrome, and she grew up in a time where it wasn't really looked at as... It looked, to be candid, it was it was looked like a, as, a, as a disease. Yeah. So my mom, often friends wouldn't want to play with her because of it. And so my mom... Has she loved her sister, loved her sister, and has many great memories of her. But my mom had a lot of concerns about it, you know, like she was worried about our own kids, um, you know. And if we, I think my dad, he's a very financially minded person too. He's, he was like, if that's what you want to do with your money, like he, it kind of <laughs> didn't make sense to him either. Um, but once we kind of made that that decision official, at least for my family and and all my siblings were really supportive, really on board. Um, I think my parents were mostly concerned, but I think once they made that decision, they've been really supportive mm-hmm. as well. And they're, you know, like Kurt said with the fundraiser, both of our families showed up. They dedicated their time, talents, and means. Like they really, they they our families are very good to us. Yeah. I think there's, you know, and I'm now speaking maybe from my side. So we called my parents before we announced to like the family. And some of it was just part of it. You're a little bit like, hey, this is a big decision. And usually I go to my dad for big decisions just because he's been through it before. Mm -hmm. And he's had to think about, you know, financial things. So we called them and they were overall supportive but there was very much a kind of like when her dad was like well have you thought this through and is that really what you want to do with your money and I do think there's maybe a kind of a this thought of like well nobody ever wishes that upon anybody why would you go out and seek it um and obviously we've talked about the superpower side of it which I totally agree with but at the same time yeah there are limitations and it does create limitations maybe on our family and so I think yeah there's some some truth to what they're worried about and they wanted to make sure we've you know gone through all the avenues you know my mom's first question was like well can't you just down or, or can't you just um adopt from somewhere local like here in the u.s <laughs> like why does it have to be kyrgyzstan and you know we kind of had to explain well you know we don't have orphanages here and it really more favors the foster system and we could do that but you know like that's not kind of the way that this route you know took us mm-hmm. um but overall they've been supportive i will give a real Shout out to my grandma, who like, <laughs> and actually one of my best friends that I work for or work with at, at Mountain America, their responses were like the best things I could have ever had, which was just like, like my friend, he's like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm like, easy, man. But he's like, I think that's the coolest thing. 
and they were one of our biggest donors like just one of the coolest things i've ever seen and then my grandma was like cat <laughs> was out of the bag by the way as soon as i told my mom and she told my grandma she calls me up again before i had even announced to my family my grandma calls me up oh your mom just told me she's like you're adopting a little boy with down syndrome from china i'm like well it's not china anyway but she was just like i want to help i want to do anything i can she's 93 and anyway like those type of responses just meant more than any money anything else could because again it's like it means that much to you it means that much to us and again this is kind of my first reaction i'm like what a cool thing yeah there are kids in orphanages kids with special needs special needs that need more attention that happen to be the most loving beings and they're not and they're in orphanages they age out and they don't get the attention they need and when we've done any research on just what neglect does to any child it's just the saddest thing just to see those type of people really kind of catch that same vision and respond the way they did was so cool that's great i want to have you share about mountain america so this was this was new this was a new idea that we had and the idea was that we would partner with an organization not so much to be able to just try and arrive at a potential adoption grant those are super helpful but more so we felt that the biggest challenge that we have is people are unaware that there's these children and they need help and that if people would hear their story they're going to answer the call so we thought let's get a big corporation to help us be able to share this story. And that's exactly what we did with Mountain America. And so you were part of that project to be able to promote that. Maybe share a little bit about what Mountain America did as a corporation, as a company, and and how that directly benefited you guys. Yeah, so without trying to do a public announcement for Mountain America being a not-for-profit, you know, as a credit union, we do do a lot for the communities, you know, and it is so it's community owned. And so there is so much about giving back. So there's a lot of organizations that are really awesome that, that we're able to be involved in. Rods was obviously a really special one. And it was cool because at the time we were really going through our leaders, right, because it's for our leadership summit. And we really wanted to, you know, do something special at that to show it really just reflects the value of the credit union and giving back. And, you know, I have friends and, and colleagues that can't have children and adoption might be their only path. Yeah. And so just to see Mountain America partner with, you know, Rods to raise money for those people and then ultimately for the children, I just thought was the coolest thing. And, you know, we've seen, especially nowadays, just the impact of crowdfunding. Yep. Right. It doesn't take much for everybody to give a little and make a huge difference. So it was super cool to see that happen. And I'm really grateful for Mountain America for doing it. And I think it's a great direction for Rods, you know, to work with these companies who, you know, I shouldn't be saying this, but, you know, there's a lot of corporate waste, Yeah. you know, and I've managed budgets before for different companies. And I've seen where it's like, oh, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so we just spend it on frivolous stuff. That's right. And that's something that I think needs to be fixed. And so to see us not spend it on frivolous things was really meaningful. Good. Very good. So um, what would you like to share with our listeners that you have learned through this process? Because there's a lot of people that are where you were, let's call it a year ago or less than a year ago, that have in their mind 
or in their heart, there's something there, but all of those emotions and those fears and the common sense, logical things that you had to overcome at this point in the stage, what would you share with them as counsel and advice? I love your principle of when you're, when you're caught up in a cause, I think that was something that kind of that, um, there's another, there's another abundance, the abundance theory, right? Um, I think that it, it, I also just listened to your trial podcast and I think that trial comes when you get caught up, but then you also see the miracles. It's almost like that line upon line that just That's keeps right. you pulling, right? Keeps you going. Um, and it's hard to make progress without a first step. Like you can't, you can't move. So I feel like that's the first step is just like we, I think we drug, drug, dragged our feet for a long time because we didn't know what that first step was. It was like, do we just go and give, you know, your application fee and all these things and and we don't know if this is going to work out, but it does, it does work out. So if I had to say anything, it does work out. And I've also heard you say, or maybe it was on another podcast, but it's also said it's not the end until it works out, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. I love if that. It hasn't worked yeah. out. Everything if works out in the end. Yeah, in the and end. If it and hasn't if worked out yet, it's you not, know, the, it's end, not right? the end, right? Yeah, and I, and <laughs> even we've talked about. We don't know even if this will work out yeah. the way we imagine it, right? But but it's taken us somewhere, and we're moving. And I think that's that's a scary thing, but I think that's what's kept us kind of going. Is just the thought of like we just got to keep moving. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm, I don't even know that I would add to it, but I will just say when it really became real for us um, was when we did, and I remember, you know, different people would tell us this. It's kind of like we were always kind of talking about it in the abstract. We definitely signed up for there's all sorts of, you know, agencies that will send you available children, and you just kind of put it out there. I always said, you know, if there was a child on my porch that needed a home, like we'd be the first people to sign up. It wouldn't even have been a question. And I think there's so many people out there that are the exact same way. You know, I don't think anybody, you know, special needs or not, like, I think most people are good and would open their homes to it. But until you find that child, until you find a child and you kind of put a face to it, you know, it was really hard to kind of get over some of these hurdles. But as soon as we found, you know, Hank and it felt like a connection and it became real and our kids were talking about it, then it just removed so many obstacles that normally we might, you know, be like, oh, yeah, but... It just is like, it's not even a question. It's the child's now on the porch and it's what do we do to, to answer that call? And that for me is what really kind of just ramped it up because you are going to look at the schedule of fees mm-hmm. and it's like, really? $2,000 to do a translation of this document? I've got a friend who speaks <laughs> Russian. Can I keep that? You know, and yeah. just things like that. And so you've got to be able to find that why and put a face to it. And then that was like, if you say this is my future child and he's out there, Every minute away from him just feels like, yeah, you know, Wasted. excruciating. Yeah. It's like we got to get this going. Yeah, the visual and the imagery around a child on your porch that needs a home is very powerful. And uh, I've I've been to these orphanages, and I've seen these child these children, and uh, they there are many children on porches right now. And families are not aware of that. And uh, that's a very real thing. And, and uh, very, very real thing. 
when do you want when are you planning on traveling when do you get to meet hank for the first time well right now we just got our uscis letter of approval that was two weeks ago big deal it is i've heard it's a big deal it doesn't feel like anything's happened like put put the (laughs) check mark on that one remember that day yes so we did we took a big picture and posted it on social (laughs) which she doesn't post often but that was post worthy (laughs) i'm i'm actually going back to like even one more thing is i think the word we need to normalize adoption and speak about these kids like way more and you're doing rods is awesome Mm -hmm. i love it's awesome if i could put a plug in for you guys (laughs) so we have our uscis approval i thought we were in translation but i just got a notification or an email yesterday saying that that dossier and now it's complete with that uscis approval it had to be apostilled and so that took a few weeks Mm -hmm. so now we're just starting translation and then as soon as translation, we'll get a refer or we get registered with the country. Yeah. Then a referral, then travel then dates. Travel. So we're I'm seeing so maybe spring. Like, like yeah. you're gonna Yeah. And how far in between are the travel dates? And then they said a month to three months between each travel date. Okay. So twenty twenty three it's happening. Twenty twenty three it's happening. Should happen in twenty twenty three. Yep. It'll be our official when we started like home study and all of our paperwork was in May. And they say about a year, year and a half. So, yep. Wow. That's what we're hoping for. Last question. What do you envision the moment being like when, not just when you meet Hank, but when you introduce Hank to your children? Are you trying to make me cry? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I. It'll feel our kids. Our kids pray for him, and our kids are so excited. And every update they want to see. So I just feel like that'll be just like bringing a new baby home from the hospital, right? They're going to be just eager, and we'll finally get to. We're hoping to take a few weeks off just to you know do the whole acclimating, and it'll be like heaven. That's what I feel like. How about for you, Kurt? What do you envision that to be like? I mean, right now. To be perfectly honest, it feels like surreal because it takes so long, you know, and I don't want to sit here and just say it's all like you make that decision and everything just happens quickly. It's not quick. It's very long. And I get really frustrated. (laughs) And I think I'm going to have an even harder time after we meet him for the first time, Des and I. And then we have to go home for a month. And then we go back the second time just for a court visit. We don't even get to see him. And then we have to go home again for another month to three months. Like, I think that's going to be the hardest part. And so, you know, right now, just like imagining it actually being done is really hard to imagine. But I think Des captured it well. You know, what I do love is, like I said, we talk about him all the time. The kids are already planning on him. Our little girl who's three talks about when we're bringing my brother home, you know, and we can't go to quick car wash until he's with us. <laughs> She's really looking forward to that. And so we said, we're saving our money now so she, as soon as he comes home. So she's like, we're all looking forward to it. And I just think it's going to be the neatest experience to feel like we're all here. And I will say one reason that we did, because we also went back and forth, like should we adopt an older child who might be in worse position because people have given up on him? You know, and they're not going to get adopted, or should we adopt one who's younger, who maybe has a little bit less trauma and ability to, you know, thrive more? Like, and that's 
a hard decision. Like we'd take them all if we could. Des is like, hey, when we're older, we're just going to open an orphanage. You know that, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'd be on board. Um, but like, yeah, one of the reasons that we decided, you know, at this age is because we also want our kids to grow up, mm-hmm. you know, with him as their sibling. Mm-hmm. So our kids are all still younger, which is one of the, on one side, I was like, wrong time. Yeah. We've got too much already. And then on the other hand, it's like perfectly right time. They're going to grow up together. He's going to be totally, you know, ingrained in their memories and experiences. Mm-hmm. The relationships will be formed early. And I think that's something that I'm so excited about is that our family's still so young enough that he's going to be brought right into a loving home with siblings, you know, and we've got animals and things like that up in paradise. And we just, I just imagine that life, you know, and coming from where he's coming from, like, we're just so excited to be able to give that to him and also him to bring what he brings to our home. Yeah. I believe that, um, when uh, what my experience has been is when your children meet Hank, it will feel like a reunion, not an introduction. And um, it's quite a surreal experience. And your, if you envision your, your living room or your, your kitchen or wherever it is where you guys have dinner and you have your table there, and uh, I would ask, is there a chair for Hank right now? Do you have a chair for him? We have enough spaces at the dinner table, yeah. We need to, yeah. And for Christmas, we're actually, we're actually getting our, um, the ba- our baby just one of those like table high chairs. Uh-huh. And I've heard that he's pretty small. So I'm like, I'm going to get one for him. Yeah. So I got him one. And then when I realized it might not be, I sent it back. But I'm, I'm, I was so excited to get that, you know, yeah. start to planning and remove kids place. around yeah. uh-huh. rooms and just, yeah, that place. So there's, there's symbolism behind that. And um, if you envision your family's uh, kitchen table where you have dinner and all of the chairs are filled and now you're making a, a place for Hank and there's an empty chair there right now that you're in the process of being able to bring him home so he can sit in that chair. And the principle behind this is more leads to more. More leads to more. It's an abundance principle that for God, abundance is eternal. It's infinite, that there's always more opportunity. And what you will find is as you go along in life, and you have all of those chairs filled, you might feel prompted again that there's another empty chair at your dinner table. And the goal would be that we finish this life with no empty chairs. And so this is a pattern that happens, and it's an abundance pattern that more leads to more. And it's something that I'm witnessing in my life now and continue to witness, and I'm very excited for my children to witness that as well because they're learning this principle of abundance and no empty chairs. And when they get married and they now have their kitchen table, my guess is I could see them probably adopting someday as well. And that's the beautiful thing that we are embarking on right now. So this has been amazing. I I will share this has been one of my 
favorite podcasts that I've ever recorded. And it's because of your hearts and your pure intent on what you're doing for Hank. So thank you for your example. And thank you for being my guest today. That means a lot. Thanks. Thank you. Very good.